Well, good morning. I'm grateful to be with you here this morning as we continue um, in our series. But I have to ask, I asked this first uh, service too, is how many of you have ever used a cassette tape? Thank you. Okay. I feel so much better because um, I still have those probably. Nowhere to use them, but I still have them. Anyways, and Wendy, I agree with you. I am so on board with you um, that baptism weekends are amazing and special and congratulations, and we are so excited. Um, you know, I love this idea of as this Christmas celebration, the things that we do as we move into this season. I love how it seems to transform for a bit everything during the Christmas season. As we drive around in the different neighborhoods, if you've had the opportunity to do that, you can't help but miss the lights that are going up and the way that they are just celebrating with lights around town. And I get excited when I see Santa's house go up and all the decorations down Main Street. Um, so I tried to find out how long Santa's house has actually been in Canandaigua. And I couldn't find the original date, but I can tell you that I remember going to Santa's house as a child. Now, I think what happened, I know that's, that's, that's all right, guys. But I went to Santa's house as a child, and then I think the house was gone for a while. And I remember when, I don't remember exactly when it came back, but it did come back, and I was so excited to see that happen. So I read an article a few years ago, and this is what the author said about Santa's house um, on Main Street. It said it was estimated that the Canandaigua Santa sees over 2,000 children each year from the day after Thanksgiving until his business interests take him back to the North. The author also said that kids have visited from over 53 different communities in New York, 11 different states, four different countries, including Russia and Brazil. So yay, I'm so glad that that tradition in Canandaigua continues as I can remember it, um, and it will be remembered for kids uh, for years to come. Now, the arrival of Santa's house is an obvious sign that Christmas is fast approaching. One other obvious sign is the change in some of the music that we hear, right? So, of course, Christmas music is one of the staples of the Christmas season. And so, again, I am enjoying this sermon series that we are in, Christmas Playlist, as we take a deeper look into the meaning of some of those very old, familiar songs that we may have been singing for years because many of them carry with them a very profound message that we can learn from and grow from even today. So we're going to dig in. The Christmas playlist would not be complete, of course, without God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And we heard that was the first song that our worship team shared with us this morning. So when we speak of Christmas carols with a profound message to share, God rest ye merry gentlemen, has to make the top of the list, one of the top of the list. I did some study on this. So after that, I found that this Christmas classic actually has a very rich history, and you can hear it through the lyrics that it also has a very dynamic person. The author had a purpose in mind when they wrote this song. So let's look at the background for just a second. Although it is documented as being celebrated in Britain in 1833, it is thought to be much, much older, maybe even hundreds of years older. The classic was originally composed as a teaching tool. So no matter the century, what I love about that is that when we, ha we hear music, it breaks all cultural boundary boundaries, right? Anybody can hear the same song, no matter um, where you are in your social status and um, where you are... Um, 
uh, in history, music breaks all cultural boundaries. And this song is no exception. So what was the purpose of this song? The purpose was to share the gospel message to all people. Again, breaking those boundaries through music. So if we look back in time, again, when some believe that the song was written, we have to turn the clock all the way back to even possibly the 16th century. And if you consider the culture of the 16th century in England, the society was built around some very distinct classes. You had the elite and you had the peasant, and then a few classes in between there. Education for the poor was not a priority. And so many at this day and age were illiterate. So they didn't have the opportunity to open a book or to read or to understand um, the words on the written page. So this song provided a way to communicate the message of the gospel to all people, not through literature, but through song. Sung from person to person to person, breaking all those cultural boundaries. And so as I listened to several renditions preparing for this message today, of course, I couldn't help but realize that that same message of truth intended for those living centuries before us is unchanged in the 21st century today. The meaning is alive and well within us and within um, our society today. The song is a message of hope. It is the greatest message. It is the gospel message. And it can't help but result in, as the song goes to tell us, tidings of comfort and joy to a world so in need, no matter the century. A world so in need, no matter the time frame. So I think it is incredible to consider the staying power of this particular Christmas carol. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen was and is still today a teaching tool and a way to spread the message of the gospel. Now we recognize that the terminology has changed over the last few centuries. Words that may have meant something several hundred years ago could be, have a little bit of a different twist to them today. They can carry a slightly different meaning, and so, so it is with the lyrics of this song as well. For instance, rest at the time meant keep, while the word Mary would have indicated a very strong individual. So let's look at that. If we modernize the title of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, it becomes, May God Keep You Gentlemen Strong. May God Keep You Gentlemen Strong. And let's consider life in those early ages, because for the common person, it was very hard. Many lived with the main goal of just securing their next meal. People depended heavily on the annual harvest, right? And so it was common for them to work from sunup, to sundown just to provide for the essentials for them and their family. And if the harvest was low, starvation was a reality, especially for the peasant class. So hope was desperately needed even during that time. So the song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, was a welcome message because it was the gospel message carried to the public through song, a form that was easily adopted and shared with everybody, again, no matter the social status, or your class. So you can picture it. This song being sung to encourage people during the Christmas season, no matter their current situation. God was present. God is present. God was and is able, was and is willing to strengthen and protect them and us by his great, his power, and his 
might, his grace, his power, and his might. So it makes sense why this song has remained popular even these many years today, because trouble didn't end in the 15th century. And so the message of hope continues to encourage us even today. This carol emphasizes the power of Christ and what his arrival means to all who will embrace him. Now, the carol truly became popular when it appeared in Dickens', Chris, Dickens um, rendition, A Christmas Carol, in 1843, in his play, A Christmas Carol. And I find this really interesting. In Dickens' story, at the first sound of the caroler who comes singing, God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay, Scrooge seizes his ruler, right, sending the singer fleeing. They're afraid for what um, Scrooge might do. His name certainly complements his character. But Dickens had a purpose in mind in choosing this song. This song, again, a, mess, a song that shares the gospel message so clearly. It makes perfect sense that this song would become so closely associated with this particular story, a story of hope and a story of redemption, a re story of redemption in the life of this character, Scrooge, who was a hate-filled man, who, and don't let me spoil it for you, I'm sure you've seen the movie, right? Um, who found transformation of all times in his heart on Christmas Eve. He would wake from this harrowing night, but he would wake a changed man full of joy and love for his fellow man. So we look at the song's lyrics and learn from it today. And I have walked away after studying it for just a little bit with a new appreciation, not only for this song, but for many of the songs that we sing at Christmas time as we think about the words and the story and the message that they present to us. So after the familiar opening line of the song, it begins with a call to remember. Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. A promise from the Old Testament had been fulfilled. Christ born is our salvation. The song continues to outline the birth of Christ, the babe Jesus born in a manger to his mother Mary. The shepherds are told by an angel and they rejoice and they visit and they rejoice at seeing the Son of God actually with them. And the song ends with a challenge to sing praises to the Lord. Listen to this last stanza. It says, and with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas, all other doth deface. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. This news was greater by far than anything else that they could have understand or heard. Greater as the gospel message brought hope in their lives. So, Let's consider the main meaning of this particular carol. As I looked up the different stanzas, I found this, and I want to share it with you because I feel like it does offer us a great um, insight into the person who wrote it. This one says, Fear not then, said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a savior of a pure virgin bright to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. It's a message of hope and a message of freedom. The birth of Christ ushered in his redemptive work on the cross for each and every one of us, and the victory that he provides through his resurrection for each and every one of us. Those who turn to him for salvation genuinely 
and now walk in his power. Walk in his strength. Walk in his ability to overcome because he is our conqueror. And there can be no other. I think the truth is plainly shared in this song. And so we hear it every Christmas again and again, and we share it with others as a message to share the hope of the gospel. Now, I believe there is a time and a place for thorough study, but it doesn't change the truth. The song was written simply, but it doesn't change the truth. I read something recently that really brought this idea home to me. I'm going to ask you to listen to these 10 words that bring us a very clear, basic, but simple, if you will. Simple doesn't mean it's not profound. Profound explanation of the gospel. God made it. Our creator, right? God made everything. Made us, made, made uh, everything around us. God made it. Humans broke it. We sinned against God. Jesus Christ fixed it. Because Jesus is the only way. Profound but simple, right? God made it. Humans broke it. But Jesus Christ fixed it as he gave us the opportunity now to be in right relationship with God the Father. Jesus' birth, death on a cross, and his resurrection brings us back into right relationship with God the Father. So what, then, is our response? Listen to what Peter teaches us. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. While we wait here for his return, we must live as those saved by our creator. God made it. We broke it, but Jesus fixed it. And so we can move forward. The verse in Peter calls us to acknowledge God as God and Christ as Lord and to live holy lives in and through him. So again, what is our response? We ought to live in awe of God, desiring to walk not on our own, but rather in his strength and his power. Christ's coming and finished work should call believers to live in awe of God and desire to live to give their all for him. Let's look at another a line from the carol today. It reads that Christ came to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. We have all gone astray at different times in our lives, every single one of us. Well, how could we not give our all to him who gave his all to save us? Look at this verse from James, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are all vulnerable without Jesus, every one of us. We are all rescued through Jesus, every one of us. And we are all a new creation in Jesus if we call on every one of us. I'm going to ask you to listen to a very familiar verse, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, perish but have eternal life. Because of the reality of Christ's coming and his saving work, again, that I love this, that is plainly and really richly described, 
in that verse in John. James writes that believers have been granted the ability to resist the devil as they submit and draw near to God. The ability to resist, what does that mean? It means transformation. We have the ability now to change because of, in and through, Jesus. When a believer submits and draws near to God, who provides the ability to resist the devil? Satan is defeated, and he will have to flee. We see that written in Scripture. We don't even need to imagine how it works because Jesus gave us an example when he was tempted in the desert. Listen to these words, his final reply to Satan after that temptation. This is what he says. He says, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering. Believers have been set free from Satan's power and the power of sin. We have been set free, no longer chained to that past. This should bring us comfort and joy, as the song tells us. In our prayer gathering on Thursday, Chris highlighted Isaiah 9, 6. Let me read it to you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Every single description we read brings with it hope and comfort for the believer. Every description. Let's look at them for just a second. Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is described as wonderful, and we see this term used other times in Scripture, meaning marvelous, beyond one's power, too difficult to even fully understand or comprehend. 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, for those who believe, Christ is, is power of God and the wisdom, the power of God and the wisdom of God, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love how Jesus encourages his disciples when he starts to explain to them that he's not going to be with them um, here any longer, that he must leave them. But this is what he says. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The true life story of Jesus brings comfort to all, not as the world gives, but as Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our wonderful Counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace brings to each and every one who will reach out and accept this gift. It's a peace that is beyond our understanding, but present with us all at the same time. Believers have been set free from Satan's power and the power of sin. So this reality ought to bring within the Christ follower an overwhelming amount of gratitude and loving commitment to know God more, and to make him known by everything that we do, by our words, by our actions, during this Christmas season, but throughout the year, at all times, as we are a reflection of our Savior. It ought to lead us to seek his leading and to walk in the power of his spirit. Again, not walking on our own, but in his might, his power, and his strength. We turn again to Peter. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has been made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, 
who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. True meaning of Christmas is the celebration of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In this verse, Peter reminds us exactly what it was that Christ did for us. He humbled himself, and out of love, he shed his precious blood. And I love the way he writes this, which is considerably higher value than silver or gold or any commodity that we might be able to grab hold of. With his blood, he purchased us and set us free forever. His precious sacrifice, as Peter describes, is the lamb without blemish or spot. I love that description. It's not a new description. I love that he includes it. The lamb without blemish or spot paid the penalty for our sin. And that comparison, again, to the lamb is not lost to Peter's listeners or his readers. They would have understood the analogy. But let me share with you some verses that I found that will help us maybe understand it a little bit deeper. Listen to John um, as he affirms Christ. This is John the Baptist who it's, you know, I think of him as being a witness to Jesus. Listen to what he says as he affirms Christ. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, by his sacrifice, fulfills the symbolism of the Passover lamb and any other Old Testament sacrifice. Now, prior to Jesus, the offering of the lamb symbolically, if you will, atoned for the sins of the people so that they could be in communion with God. Deliverance through the blood of a lamb foreshadowed the coming of Jesus as the lamb of God. It was a foreshadowing of what would be to come. This Lamb of God would allow us to obtain salvation for God's people, redeeming the believer from death, sin, and Satan. And so I love how the writer of Hebrews describes it for us as they explain it. And I found a translation, the Phillips translation. Let me read that to you as we listen to the explanation of Christ now being the true sacrifice. For now Christ has come among us, the high priest of the good things which were to come and has passed through a greater and more perfect tent which no human hand has made, for it was no part of this world of ours. It was not with goats or calves' blood, but with his own blood that he entered once and for all into the Holy of Holies, having won for us men eternal reconciliation with God. He has won for us eternal reconciliation for God once and for all. That doctrine of sacrifice wasn't just a New Testament practice. It had been foreshadowed way in the beginning. Listen to, um, in Genesis 3, it talks about the first sacrifice for Adam and Eve when God killed the animals to clothe them, to protect them. We read it in Exodus chapter 12, how the lambs were sacrificed during the Passover to protect God's people who were slaves in Egypt, protect them from the death that was coming. In Isaiah 53, the Messiah is presented to us as an innocent lamb, which is why John the Baptist, upon seeing him, points to him and proclaims that he, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He, Jesus, is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Scripture is full of these references with Jesus as the Lamb, 
or as the sacrifice. In fact, we can even turn to Revelation, where in heaven we sing, worthy is the Lamb. From Genesis to Revelation. The blood of the Lamb foreshadowed the coming of Jesus as the Lamb of God to obtain salvation for God's people, redeeming the believer from death, from sin, and from Satan. The most precious gift of Christ is seen in his coming and dying on our stead, on that cross, and being resurrected for our salvation. The most precious gift, greater than silver, greater than gold, greater than any other commodity we could imagine. God had a plan to save all people through Christ, and it was not unexpected. He had a plan that was not unexpected, even if to some, in every generation, it is unrecognizable or unappreciated or even unacknowledged. It does not change the truth, and it does not change the plan. God's plan to save all people was established before the foundation of the world. So what of all of this for the believer? Christ's coming and finished work should encourage believers to continue to place their faith and their hope in him. The good news is that from Christ's birth until his second coming, people have the opportunity to find salvation in him. We have the opportunity to take that step. Whether you're watching online, whether you're watching throughout the week, whether you're here with us even this morning in service, we have that opportunity because Jesus provided the way. Jesus provided the only way the salvation. The good news is believers today can walk in the power of the Spirit, free and with the hope of his provision for today and ultimate salvation when he returns to take us home. This is good news indeed. And so our carol proclaims, O tidings of comfort and of joy, good news to a world, to a people in need no matter the century. I invite you to listen now to uh, a translation, again, from the Phillips translation, words from the Christmas account found in John 1. At the beginning, God expressed himself. That personal expression, that word, was with God and was God, and he existed with God from the beginning. All creation took place through him, and none took place without him. In him appeared life, and this life was the light of mankind. The light still shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. He came into the world, the world that he had created, and the world failed to recognize him. He came into his own creation, and his own people did not accept him. Yet, whenever people do accept him, he gives them the power to become sons of God. So the word of God became a human being and moved into our midst. The Christmas story in John 1. The word of God became a human being and moved into our neighborhood. So here's the simple truth. Christ's coming and finished work should call all believers to live in awe of God and to desire to live to give their all to God. Christ's coming and finished work should encourage believers to continue to place their faith and their hope in him. When we understand the power of Christ and what his arrival means to all who embrace him, all who have the opportunity to accept him centuries before and time to come, 
it's easy for us to truly sing, God rest you, merry gentlemen, or may God keep each of you strong because it is within his power that we remain strong. The story, the gospel teaches us. The birth of Christ offers us the confident hope that we can be redeemed in him that we can be found strong in him, and that we can indeed love others as he loved us, as we become more like him. All these things he has taught us so that his joy may be in us and in in complete joy within us. Again, all of this is only possible by the power of Christ, ushered in by our Savior's birth, allowing us to sing. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. When I first visited that little house um, where Santa was, I didn't understand everything behind the Christmas season, but I would come to learn through people sharing the message with me, people like you sitting here, caring enough for me, loving me enough to help me to understand that there was a truth and a hope far greater than anything I could ever imagine, far better than any silver or any gold. And so we continue in our journey. We ask, what is your next step? What is my next step? Because there's always more to come. Will you make the choice to come to him and trust in him to make you spiritually strong, to trust in him and his power and might to make you spiritually strong? Will you consider the gospel message shared in that old familiar Christmas carol? A truth that has not changed in the centuries since it was written. A truth that is confirmed in the word of God. If you made that decision years ago and you're trying to figure out what is that next step on your journey, God provides those opportunities for us to grow and us to learn in him. He provides those opportunities for us to take what we have received, that precious gift, and to share it with others. He opens those doors, whether we're social distancing and wearing masks. Those opportunities are present for us today, and they will be present for us in the days to come. What will you do with what he has given you? What will you do with the gift that he has given you? If you're yet to receive that gift, what is What is um, stopping you, even today, from asking those questions? From praying and finding out, Lord, what is the peace that I so long for, the hope that you so offer? Receiving that gift that he freely, openly, and lovingly gives to each and every one of us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do thank you. We are so grateful as we consider the message of hope that you bring. Lord, you came, you entered our neighborhood. You you left your throne and entered our neighborhood to share with us a hope, to provide for us a salvation that we cannot achieve on our own. We thank you, Lord. We are humble and are grateful for all that you have done. And Lord, not only that, but you give us your word to guide us and direct us and your spirit to help us in understanding. You provide, Lord, all that we need. And so as we move forward in this Christmas season and you provide opportunities to be your servant, to share your message with others, Lord, we pray for boldness. We pray um, for those opportunities to be seen um, without question, that you would give us those opportunities to share your message. We thank you, Lord. We ask that we not take it for granted 
as we move through not only this season, but the whole year to come, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And we lift this all up to you in the name of Jesus.